Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 8. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. David's great-grandmother, what was her name? Ruth, you know that. And she was a Moabite. Just a little side note. Also, now here's what I think. Why so harsh? Why so severe? First Samuel chapter 22, David was in the cave of Adullam. You remember that. And while in the cave of Adullam, his mom and his dad came to visit him. And when he left the cave of Adullam, mom and dad, he took mom and dad to the king of the Moabites for them to care for them, for for the king to care for them. And many scholars believe that the king of Moab killed them. So David is settling the score, and that's why he battled and defeated the Moabites. That's speculation, but strong. David, in verse 3 through 8, goes up up, up north to take back some territory from King Hadadezer. And 1 Chronicles 19, listen, tells the same story. But in 1 Chronicles 19, it seems to read that David ran into King Hadadezer at the great rivers Euphrates. You remember, write down this verse, Genesis chapter 15, memory verse, verse 18, Genesis 15, 18. God told Abraham that the promised land was to extend from Egypt to the great river Euphrates, which includes all the land of the Kenites, the Hittites, the Parasites the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gergesites, and the Jebusites. God spoke to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verse 3 through 4. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said, to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the what saints, great rivers, it's on the screen, what saints, great rivers, Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory, God said to Israel. God gave them all this territory. Israel never, ever, never took the land that God had given them. Now watch this. They were content to live in a small portion of the land while the enemies of Israel controlled the bulk of the land. So David is moving forward on the offense and, uh, and, and, and he takes the land and during David's reign, I think I mentioned this to you the last time, during David's reign, David took um, Israel or went, or, or went Israel was 6,000 square feet and David had taken so much land, they now have 60,000 square feet. So David is on the move, taking back land as God had given it to them. Look at verse 4. David took a thousand chariots, 700 horsemen, 20,000 footmen. 
This king had a deezer, had a huge army. The 20,000 foot soldiers, they were either taken captive or killed. We really don't know from the text. But notice the Bible tells us that David hamstrung or cut the hamstring of the horse or the horses so they couldn't run. Now listen, before you think that David was cruel to animals, a couple of reasons why David did this. Number one, David couldn't care for so many horses while on this military campaign. Number two, also, he, David, was forbidden by God to take all of these horses. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 16 and 17, tell us that Israel was forbidden to do three things. They were forbidden to take multiple wives. They were forbidden to take silver and gold. And they were forbidden to take horses from Egypt. They were forbidden, Deuteronomy 17, 16, 17, reading your own time, forbidden to take wives, silver and gold, and to multiply horses. God didn't want them to take these things because God wanted to be their only provision. And also to learn what the psalmist said, Psalm 20, verse 7, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. So David didn't kill the horses. He just cut the hamstrings so they couldn't be used for riding. And he kept a hundred chariots just so they could move a little bit faster. In verse 5 and 6, when the Syrian of Damascus tried to help Hadadezer, David killed 20,000 of them and the Syrians became servants to David. Now, the Syrians of Damascus were peoples located around the city of Damascus, as well as in the area of Zobah. David killed 22,000 of these men in addition to the 20,000 in verse 4, possibly. And this is why David was known as a man of war or why David was known as a bloody king. David was getting these great victories because, verse 6, look at it, the Lord preserved David wherever he went. Verse 7 tells us, David took the shields of gold that belonged to the servants of Hadadezer and brought them to Jerusalem. David took the shields of gold And they weren't used for battle. He didn't take them for battle. He took them for trophies. They were used to testify of God's work through David. So David takes these things used by Satan or the enemy, gold shields, and he gives them to the Lord. You know, somebody asked me what made me think of this. Somebody asked me, if somebody hit the lottery, they said, Pastor, if somebody hit the lottery, would you take the money and use it for the church? If they gave the church money, like they tithe from hitting the lottery, would you take the money and use it for the church? I said, uh, final answer, yes. (laughs) Why not? Look, if David can take what is of value that was once dedicated for the use of the enemy or for Satan's use and give it to the Lord, what's the problem? The story is told of a pastor who received a large contribution from a gambler. And some people said that he was taking the devil's money. And he said, love this. He said, the devil has had it long enough. Let's see what God can do with it. Am I right about it? Amen. Let the church say amen. Amen. So David, he took the shields that belonged to Hadadezer and he bought them to Jerusalem and he made them trophies. Interesting. David took what was the glory of the enemy. Watch this. And he changed them into trophies of the power and the goodness of God. 
It sounds like what God does with us, doesn't it? He takes people and changes them and makes them trophies of his grace. Two things I want to tell you. Number one, God wants to hold you up as a trophy of his grace. I really believe that God wants to use your life in such a way that even the angels stand back and scratch their head and say, wow, God is a gracious God. I'm sure, I am confident that the angels in heaven, when they look down on Rodney Finch, that they scratch their head and they go, wow, God is amazingly gracious. Look at that. If he can do that with that, he can do anything. Because God wants to hold me and hold you up as a trophy of his grace. We don't have anything to offer to him. Y'all say better amen than that. We don't have anything to offer to him but our lives and of our hearts. And so whenever anything good comes of our lives, it just simply means that God has changed and transformed you. And now he's holding you up as a trophy of his grace. I'm right about it. And the second thing I want to tell you is that this is a picture or a lesson for all of us. Listen, everybody has the Hadadezers in their life. Everybody has the Syrians in their life. Everybody has the Gaths. Gath equals Philistines in their life. Everybody has those Moabites or remember we talked about it, the Agags. Remember the Agags? in their life, the struggles in their life. And sometimes when you get on the offense like David and you attack the Moabite, you attack the Agag, you attack the Philistine before the Philistine attacks you. Sometimes you got to say, listen, it is time to get up and go after this thing that holds me in fetters and chains. Are y'all listening? It's time for me to get up and go after that thing and begin to, to exercise the, the, the power that God has given me. He's given us power over every um, uh, evil thing that would, that would seek to hold us back. But we remain held back because we want to. Because if you're a Christian, God has given you the power and he's given you the strength to just say no. Am I right about it? To just say no. You can do that. But you, sometimes you, like David, you have to get up and you have to go attack the Philistine and say, I'm not going to be beat up by that anymore. I'm not going to be content to rest from my flesh and the enemy. It's time to go after that thing and kill it. Isn't that what Paul told the Romans, the church of Rome? Paul said in Romans chapter 8, he said, mortify the deeds of the flesh. The Bible doesn't tell us to turn over a new leaf on life concerning our flesh. The Bible doesn't tell us that we need to rehab the flesh or reform the flesh or resurrect the flesh. The Bible says, kill it. Put it to death. Go after that Philistine. That's what David did. And God was with him wherever he went. Okay, look at verse 9. All right, look at verse 9. If you're looking at verse 9, say amen. When Toy, or Toi, king of Hamath, heard that David had defeated all the armies of Hadadezer, then Toi, or Toy, sent 
Joram, his son, to King David to greet him and bless him because he had fought against Hadadezer and defeated him. For Hadadezer had been at war with Toy, and Joram brought with him articles of silver, articles of gold, and articles of bronze. And King David also dedicated these, these to the Lord, underline that, along with the silver and the gold that he dedicated from all the nations which he has subdued, from Syria, from Moab, from the people of Ammon, from the Philistines, from Amalek, from the spoil of Hadadezer, the son of Rehob, the son, the king of the king of Zobah. And David made himself a name and made himself a name when he returned from killing 18,000 Syrians in the Valley of Salt. He also put garrisons in Edom throughout all Edom. He put garrisons. And all the Edomites became David's servants, and the Lord preserved David wherever he went. Let me read this, and then we'll tie this thing up. So David reigned, in verse 15, over all of Israel. And David administered judgment and justice to all his people. And Joab, the son of Zorah, was over the army. Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahilu, was recorder. And Zodok, the son of Ahitub, and Ahimelech, the son of Abathar, were the priest, and Zerah was the scribe. Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, was over both the Cherethites and the Pelethites, and David's son, sons were chief ministers. Amen. I can't believe I got through all those names. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. You try it. That is not easy. So verse 9. Look at verse 9. Hadadezer had all these little countries under his thumb. The king of Hamath, is the na- his name is Toy. Hamath is approximately 100 miles north of Damascus. Toy previously had a battle with Hadadezer and obviously lost. So when he hears that David fought with Hadadezer and ran through him like a hot, hot butter knife through butter, he was impressed. And it's becoming obvious to the surrounding nations that God is with David. So Toy wisely becomes allies with David and sent his son with gifts, gold, silver, bronze, verse 10. And notice what David did, verse 11. He dedicated all the gifts he received from the nations to the Lord. David is acknowledging the Lord is keeping him. Listen, this is great. If we have any success in our life, the glory is due to God and God alone. Am I I right about it? If we have any success in life, make sure you give God the glory. Don't be so quick to talk about what you did, what you did, how much you had to do and how much you put into it and all the work you had and all the blood, sweat and tears. You Don't be like that. Just, you know what, to God be the glory. And yeah, yeah, I mean, we've got to apply ourselves. And absolutely, we've got to, you know, I got to show up. I mean, yeah. If I don't show up, I mean, and I have to study. But, you know, you know, people ask me a lot. They'll say, um, you know, before I, before I preach a sermon, they'll say, uh, hey, you ready? You ready? And I say, I don't know. I'll know after I preach it. Because I don't know. Because if God doesn't breathe life into it, then it's just words. You see what I'm saying? So, amen. So you have to be careful about, you know, assuming on God's blessings. And, and then when God does bless, you say, hey, praise the Lord. God, God, God used me. That's a wonderful thing. 
But let's be careful not to steal God's glory. I think of Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 8. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another. Point blank, period, done. David, in verse 12, gives a list of the nations that were subdued. God used David to lead Israel to victory over enemies in every direction. In verse 13, David is starting to make a name for himself. You know, when you start to make a name for yourself, that's the time to be careful. It's been said, never believe your own press. And that's true. Now listen, by the time we get to 1 Kings, when we get to 1 Kings chapter 10, by the time that Solomon begins to build the temple, there is so much gold in Jerusalem. Get this. Silver is worthless. There's so much gold in Jerusalem that silver is considered rocks. Silver is considered common. First Chronicles chapter 29 tells us David gave out of his own pocket more than a hundred million dollars of his own money to the building of the temple. And I find that really interesting and, 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 and exhortative for every single one of us. Because David, remember, he wanted to build the temple. Remember, David wanted to build the temple. And God said no. And, 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 and that tells us that he didn't go get bitter. He didn't go get angry. He wasn't resentful because he couldn't build the, the temple. You know, why can't I build it? I can build a temple. I'm, be- I'm a better builder than my son. Everything he learned, he learned from me. If it wasn't for me, he wouldn't know nothing. How come God let him build it, not me build it? He could have been like that, but he wasn't. He wasn't angry or bitter or anything. As a matter of fact, he, he gave to the building project. He gave money to the building project. I think of 1 Chronicles chapter 22 and verse 14. Indeed, I have taken much trouble to prepare for the house of the Lord 100,000 talents of gold and 1 million talents of silver and bronze and iron beyond measure. For it is so abundant, I have prepared timber, this is David talking, and stone, and you may add to them. David gave to the building project. Verse 15 in our text tells us that David reigned over Israel and administered judgment and justice to all the people. This is one of the reasons why David is called the greatest king. One of several, many I might add, of why David is called the greatest king. Not only because of the great victories during his reign, but also a great leader. God blessed David and God wanted to bless Saul the same way. But Saul refused and resisted the Lord and rejected the Holy Spirit. And this is how it works. Listen, because David allowed God to subdue him, God allowed David to subdue nations. Do y'all hear me? Because God... Or David allowed God to subdue him. God allowed David to subdue nations. That's how it works. The same works in your life. If you allow God to subdue you or have his way in you, God will allow you to be blessed and to do the things that, that, that you like to do for the kingdom. But first, you got to start with giving God your heart. You got to let God subdue you first so that you can then go and subdue the desires of your heart 
Some people, they, you know, God will give you the desires of your heart. He'll give you, uh, all you got to do is uh, say in Jesus' name, and God will give you the desires of your heart. And uh, that's not right. That's not right. Jesus' name is not like a sign off. You know, people pray, uh, we pray in Jesus' name like it's a sign off, like Roger Dodger or over, or, uh, you know, over and out. Uh, all right, 10-4, good buddy. That's how we use Jesus' name, you know, in, in, that, in that context. In Jesus' name means in the nature, I'm asking what I'm asking in the nature and the character of what I know would please God. That's what in Jesus' name means. Not like a blank check or a sign-off. So you allow God to subdue you and God will allow you to serve him and do those things that are in your heart to do. Well, verses 16 through 18, we have the key people in David's government and leadership. Joab, look at it, is over the army. Jehoshaphat was the bookkeeper or the record keeper. Zadok, Ahitub, Ahimelech were priests. Zerah was a scribe. Verse 18, Benaiah, the son of that guy, was over a few other guys. And David's sons were chief ministers Part of David's success as a ruler was his ability to train a great team. It had been said, behind every great man is a great woman. It is also said, and also true, behind every great leader is a great team of people. And that's very true. Behind every great leader is a great team of people. Something about David we haven't specifically talked about, and I'm going to bring it up, and then I'm going to let you out of here. David was a very, very generous, generous giving man. During his military campaign, David acquired 4,000 pounds of gold. 4,000 pounds of gold. 40,000 tons of silver. And even more bronze and iron. But David gave a huge amount of money to the building project or to the temple. And I really believe this. I really believe that if you give to others, God will give to you. Can you clap your hands and say amen? Isn't that true? If you give to others, God will give to you. You see, giving is a way of showing God that you understand and it's clear that it doesn't belong to you anyway. We own nothing. Now, we're going to talk about giving in 1 Corinthians 16 when we get there. But... I think it's important for us to remember and to even bring up now that giving is a way of showing God that, that, that you understand that every, everything belongs to him anyway. You know, I think I've been, this verse has been going over my head like all day long. In him, we live, we move, and we have our being. In him, we live, we move, and we have our being. Acts 3, 14-ish. Try and look that up. Acts 3, 14, or Acts. In him we... Uh, uh, look, no, 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 no. Look up uh, 17. 17. Acts 17. Acts 17. Acts 17, 20, 20, 28. Thank you. Acts 17, 28. Read it. Read it out loud. Keep reading. Okay. 
We're also, yeah, it all belongs to him anyway. Listen, in him we live. In other words, the very breath you breathe belongs to him. The very air that you take in your nostrils, into your lungs, and back out belongs to God. In him we live and we move. Your health belongs to him. I need you to clap your hands and say amen. Your health belongs to him. And we have our being. Your wealth belongs to him. I'll wait while you clap your hands here. Your family is not yours. Your children are an heritage from the Lord and on loan to you. They're not even yours. We don't own anything. We don't have anything. So why would we withhold from God that which already belongs to him? And that's the concept of giving. We'll talk about that a little bit later. The point here is that God is gracious to us. Come on, clap your hands and say amen. God is gracious to us. David is example as an example of God's graciousness. David is an example of, of, of a man who, who had wealth, but, but acquired wealth, and, um, but, but gave back to God. And we need to give God what belongs to him. Don't forget. Go attack that Philistine. Okay? You don't have to live in slavery to it. Then you fill in the blank. It. You don't have to. The Bible says, to whom the Son set free is free indeed. God has set you free. And he's filled you with the spirit and given you the power to give victory over it, whatever it is. You got to make up your mind, get up off that couch, turn that computer off and go after that Philistine or that Agag or that Moabite, right? You have to do that. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.